0: Jewish Board Talk with Charisse Zaffert.
1: On Monday morning, renowned South African photographer David Goldblatt passed away. His work in documenting various aspects of daily life throughout South Africa made him a household name. He was especially famed for capturing the brutalities of the apartheid regime. He leaves a powerful record of South Africa's recent political and social history behind. Matthew Krauss, an art journalist and gallery consultant, Joins me now to tell me more, Matthew. Welcome. Hi, and thank you she so is. much for slipping across wherever you were. Oh, to no, thanks for
0: having me. Um, it's always a pleasure. Um, although in this instance, it's less of a pleasure because, of course, we're speaking about somebody who's recently um, deceased, departed. Um, and somebody who who is an, a national hero, a community hero, an international hero of the art world, um, and really really um, are, are at the base at the base of it just a great guy who who um, used all of his enormous creativity to to inspire generations of photographers that came after him, and and, and in fact, to, to he inspired uh, his contemporaries uh, um, um, in in the way that he um, he approached um, the, the the photographic subject and the photographic um, uh, career that he forged for himself. He wasn't. Um, um, an, a, a regular photographer, in the sense that um, that the careers that were cut out for photographers when he was young were really were really uh, to become a photojournalist. I guess you could be a photojournalist, a wedding photographer and a bar mitzvah (laughs) photographer and a graduation photographer. Um, And I can't think I can't think what else. And and of course, they were great. um, They were great photojournalists um, of his generation, like like Capra and those kinds of people that he could aspire to. But he he said um, and I have to prefix this with, with with the fact that I I worked for the gallery that represent that represents and represented him still represents his work. Um, the Goodman Gallery for for some years, um, and also and also in uh, working in progressive organisations in the nineteen eighties and nineteen nineties, our paths crossed quite frequently. Um, and he was very very adamant, although adamant about two things simultaneously. Number one, that he wasn't a photojournalist. He tried very hard to be one, and couldn't. Bear the pace that newsrooms worked at, and the and the you know the the, the thing that, ma- that that drives photojournalists at its cruelest. I see that there's a nice buzz, bu- uh, a nice phrase that comes up now. If it bleeds, it leads. You know, <laughs> um, and I think that that must be the most repulsive aspect of of photojournalism, which is running after strife, running after agony and pain. Um, but at the same time, when David Goldblatt was approached um, on the subject of whether he was an artist he used to shrug that off in the nicest way and say ah you know I'm not an artist I'm a photographer because he came out of a generation in which um it was it was kind of like um uh, uh, not not regular for photographers to be artists um the whole idea of a fine art photographer um came came later um and he um and he was also a, a, a fine art photographer Um, but also something of an activist. He carried a lot of weight um, and did some amazing things um, um, as a kind of activist photographer um, in this country and in our community.
1: Um, I've been reading uh, some amazing obituaries that have been written about Mm. him that look at the different aspects of his work. And maybe you can help encapsulate what is it that he did and what does he leave behind?
0: Well, that's that's very interesting because because that can be defined by what he didn't do. Um, and as I've said, what he didn't do was was chase the story. Everybody knows that he was a slow sort of percolator. He had various vehicles built for himself, um, like camper vans, uh, in which he could... Um, take slow drives into the country and around South Africa, and really wait for the light that he wanted climb up i mean right up until until very uh, close to his uh, his de- uh, uh, departing um, he was still climbing up onto the top of this camper van with a with a, a sort of metal ladder on the side of a vehicle to stand on top of the van to take photographs um, of the things that he deemed important, and that 's the amazing thing is what he thought was important to capture in the frame, and it wasn't what, what regular people would capture in the frame. He was very interested in, in, in a series. Okay, So his work worked in series of photographs, and he had the main series of his life that he followed through, um, quite obsessively although not you know not in an unhealthy way uh, because artists can be so obsessed that that, that you wonder like when they're going to get off their obsessions but he concentrated on the minutiae of south african life the one is called structures so he looked at structures like arch- uh, like architectural structures and not ones that are great architectural masterpieces or important ones, even if they represented the previous dispensation um, in all its sort of self-proclaimed glory. But he looked at the smaller structures of people's lives, the the township house, uh, the mud mud hut, um, the the working class white person's interior of their house, and he called that structures, um, because he thought that the structure of things... Um, and his and his books called the structure of things then the structure of things now could indicate the mindset behind which um, structures were built. In other words, people make things that are valuable and important to them, like churches, um, like, like like playground areas for children, or or stone enclosures for their churches, or or within their community cemeteries that become important structures to themselves. That, that are only important to them. But if you look at them, you start to understand the values behind certain communities and what communities hold dear, um, besides the glorification of, of, of heroism and leadership. That was the one. There was another series called Particulars in which he, he only photographed like the midriffs of people, which must have been very difficult because he had to approach strangers and say, look, I want to photograph the middle of you. I'm not a <laughs> pervert, uh, but, but I find that, you know, that, that your buttons, your jewelry, your handbag, your handkerchief, all of those things tell me who you are as a person rather than taking a nice snapshot of your face. Um, and that's exactly uh, reflected in his, in, in his um, uh, Structures series where he looks at other things. And through that, over over fifty to sixty to seventy years, he started to get a full portrait in black and white, because he said South African society, apartheid particularly, was was not to be prettified. But he got he got a full picture in black and white of this society, and what this society is in its smallest way that shows you its biggest picture and its most important things.
1: Um, you have. Uh, a- Craig is indicating we need to take a short break, but after the break, I'd like to ask you whether you knew the man.
0: Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert
1: And I'm talking to Matthew Krauser who is an art journalist and a gallery consultant and we're exploring the work of David Goldblatt. And Matthew, thank you so much for kind of elucidating the importance of his work, and I think it kind of really helps solidi- solidify why he is the great photographer that he is. And I just wondered whether you knew him on a personal level.
0: Well, I did. Um, first and foremost, um, I had met him um, when he was part of a, a photographic collective in the 1980s, uh, when he wasn't the important David Goldblatt, although he was never a man of mm. self-importance. Um um, and and I'd known him through through photographers that I'd known like Paul Weinberg, um, and and um, and others who were working in a sort of activist space. And I'd met him then, and and um, and then through the Congress of South African Writers, where I was situated for a while. Um, Nadine Gordimer was the huge patron. Um, of that organisation, and he had also um, come there, and I think spoken to us on the odd occasion. I'd been I'd been at the Mail and Guardian newspaper as the arts editor for 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 almost two decades, and and I had to um, repeatedly get hold of him and ask him for permission to use his photographs, um, organise interviews with him, interview him, speak to him, and then I landed up at the Goodman Gallery um, for some years working over there, um, and I had um, I wrote two uh, ex- two Two pieces of media writing um, for two of his exhibitions for the Goodman Gallery, um, and spent some time with him, and was able to watch in that very intimate office space um, how he he conducted his photographic career, um, not being careeristic at all, yes. but qu- as a quiet man, looking at his work, um, very often um, um, disposing of prints because he didn't think that they were fine enough. Um, and these, some of them were huge. Like there's, a, the, the, there's an image of an, a, a hostel in Alex, um, which is which is, you know, you, one is so voyeuristic because it seems like it's taken from a helicopter, although he must have been standing on a hill or a building. And it shows you all of these matchbox houses and this huge diamond or hexagonally shaped um, hostel in the middle. And you can see everyone's backyards in perfect detail, the washing, the, the you know, the little sort of cool drink boxes, the bottles, a little bit of um, what's, what, again, what's important to people. And he would pour over these things, looking at them for a long, long time in the gallery office um, and deciding whether or not these prints were good enough to put um, into into the world of photography, which for him was was an important world. I mean, um, you are talking about uh, exhibiting at the Museum of Modern Art at the at the Pompidou Center, and then locally, even um, at the Eleven Hays. I think he had an exhibition. Um, he was um, he was he was everywhere. Um, and but but at the same time, you know, he was he was not a softy, um, but but he was not um, he was not like an abrasive artist but you know artists are a particular kind they they come out of their world and the world is the world of their making and and the thing that you realize when you work with artists a lot of course is that prior to their success there's always been a lot of hardship and they've arrived where they arrived you know through an enormous journey they not nowadays there are some artists who are catapulted into a position of importance and and and, and one, their, their own wonderment at where they've arrived but but these old codgers worked their way to the point where they became important people in their field and pioneers and nobody could take that away from them. No one can take that away from them. So when they say, "I want it like this," it's not because the person's being a prima donna; it's because they've gone through so much time and effort and had no pat on the back for it. That by the time they are the great masters um, of their craft, what they want, they want. You don't turn around then and say, "Do you know? Do you know what I think you should do?" <laughs> I've made that mistake once or twice with artists, and they look at me as though I've. Called out of a dance <laughs> or something like what? Like you, you, you're telling me what you think I should do. So it doesn't work that way.
1: Um, uh, Matthew, what I have realised is that I need to have you more up on my show. Ah, okay. so I, need to be <laughs> I think more it's. Often. I think it was January that we were last. You yes. Won't. Yeah. yeah um, we always have fun. Um, Matthew. I I don't know if there's anything more to add. I mean, they're they're, they're things,
0: they're landmarks. I mean, if people are interested, they should go and have a look um, at at what David Goldblatt did um, in order to work um, photography into a very public space. Um, he he turned down his order of Ikamanga um, uh, because he didn't like the Protection of Information Bill, which was a big thing. Anybody who was offered such a national uh, moment of prestige would not have done so uh, or may not have done so because, you know, they want the accolade and the glory. Um, he, he took his his art off the walls of of, uh, of the Johannesburg Art Fair because he didn't like the way an artist who he didn't even know had been treated or he felt censored. And so he, he took his craft and his art and he worked it into a space where he became a powerful individual because he took a stand continually about what he thought was right and wrong, and he used his photography and his personality to make those, to draw those lines in the sand, and we need more people like that.
1: And on that note, I would like to say thank you so much, you. again for schlepping from wherever My you schlepped. I know it was far. <laughs>
0: Actually, it was Melville. Look, at, you know, it wasn't the, There wasn't the end of the world.
1: <laughs> but thank you so much for coming, and thank you Thanks so much for, for elucidating me. more about sure. uh, David Goldberg sure. Just before.